Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Now, this is Jeremy McFarland for the Footballers Family Podcast. And I just, uh, I was thinking back in 1998, I had the opportunity to go up to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. My dad took me and I know... um, I know that basically he was there for the ride, uh, for, for years, my family would ask, well, what do y'all, where do you want to go for, for a summer vacation? And I would always say, Canton, Ohio, Canton, Ohio, Canton, Ohio. And they take us to Florida, but what the year between my freshman and sophomore year at Freed Hardman, my dad said, we're going to Canton, Ohio. And we're going to do it. We're going to go for a couple of days. We're going to go up to Cleveland to drive to Canton. We were going to go to the, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, but we didn't get a chance to do that. But we drove to Canton, Ohio, and I'll tell you what, it's a neat little uh, a neat little jo- uh, drive there. And uh, I was expecting kind of driving up to this hallowed place to, to kind of come out and go, oh, you know, like the lights around it, but you have to go under an overpass, and there it is. Uh, it's an interesting place to put a Hall of Fame. In fact, I have up on my desk right now a little football that was given to me at the visitor center that uh, at Ken Ohio that I had Walter Jones sign and now he is enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Pro Football Hall of Fame was built in 1963. Actually it was established in 1963. It started in 1962. Uh, Canton, Ohio, uh, the people in Canton knew the history of football that it began there in Canton and they started raising money to get it built there. And they did it. And, and i tell you what, uh, if you have the chance to go there, it is something that uh, I think you will be, not only you will benefit from, but you will also want to go back. And I really would like to go back right now. As of 2020, uh, there are 326 members enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is located at 2121 uh, George Hallis Drive. So if you ever had the chance to go up there, that's where you need to go. Uh, And today, though, uh, I wanted to take this moment to look at men who, in my opinion, deserve to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, I'm not a voter. There's around 45 or so voters uh, that vote for it. And basically what they do is they're, it, and it's either a geographical area or maybe they just get a name and they said, prove your case that this man deserves to be in the pro football hall of fame. Um, you know, this is a hard job and, and you get to vote for several people in a year. And, and those people, when they receive a certain amount of votes, they're in, once you're in, you're in. It's just, it's an amazing thing. And like I said, when you go into it, you feel the history come out. You feel the history all over the place. They have objects that were around from the beginning 
of, of football up until the most recent time. One of my favorite things was to see the uniform that John Elway wore, the jersey that John Elway wore during the drive. Uh, I thought that was one of the cooler places they saw. So I've got to see some of the older football helmets, football, things like that. But, uh, you know, once you're in it, you you deserve to be in it. And don't take what I'm about to say as a slight to the men that I'm comparing, the men, I, the men that are in there that I'm comparing to the men I think should be in there. Everyone that's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame deserves to be in there. It's an honor and they deserve it. But in my opinion, there's seven men that should be in there as well. Now, there's many more, but I looked at seven people and I looked up at some of their stats and I looked at some comparisons in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that I think that when you look at these men, they stack up to some of the other men that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, again, these are this is just my opinion. If you've got opinions as well, uh, please message me at Jeremy underscore McFarland on Twitter or on the Football's Family Facebook page and, and let me know more about it or give me some more men that should be in this, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Also, while you're at it, like and subscribe to this. Give me a rating and let me know where I can improve. And while you're at it as well, go to the sportshistorynetwork.com and look at some of the other great podcasts that we have uh, available. We have a great number of podcasts that have a lot more to do with history than I do. But when you read it you get it and listen to them, you get to see just how much love these men have for history. But let's get to the, to the story at hand. Uh, the first man that I believe that should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a personal favorite of mine. In 1996, Eddie George was drafted by the Houston Oilers. Now, he became Rookie of the Year that year. And I have up in my office here uh, Eddie George bobblehead. I have an autograph um, uh, Madden uh, cover of Madden that he was on. I have an autograph uh, jersey that he signed. I have several football cards of him. And I'll tell you what, several good memories. In fact, one memory of a Sunday that I was uh, supposed to be preaching, but I couldn't get out of the house. Um, we were at, we were at the house in Bonacqua and I remember turning on the TV that day and watching Eddie George run all over the Cleveland Browns in the snow. Just, just great memories, great memories of him in, in Super Bowl, great memories of him running for the Titans. And uh, it was really with him that I learned what turf toe was, and I know that that has to be extremely painful. Eddie George uh, was the Titans' offense until Steve McNair pretty much took over. Eddie George was the the center point of this team for several years. He played for, for nine years, uh, and I really don't count the time he played for the Dallas Cowboys. I just don't count it. Uh, it hurts to think of him in anything but two-tone blue. Now, I want you to listen to these stats here. Eddie George played in 141 games, and you're talking about playing uh, as many snaps as he did. That's incredible. He averaged 91 yards. Per, and this is from pro, pro Football Reference. 91 yards, had 2,865 rushing attempts for 10,441 yards and 68 touchdowns. He was a four-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-Pro. Now, this is this is important because of the time he was playing, the running back started to become less as a center point of the offense. But with Jeff Fisher's offense, that's what he was. He was the center point of the Titans offense. Now, I want you to listen to this. According to Pro Football Reference, the average running back in the hall averaged 90. This is just taking every running back in the hall. 
this is what they average 95 uh, attempt, or 95 yards per game 151 yard or games 2552 attempts 10991 yards and 86 touchdowns now Eddie George matches up pretty well with this now will he ever get in the hall uh, I believe he will uh, but it'll be a little bit he deserves it but we're talking about uh we're talking about a man who was center to a team that a team leaned upon him. If you were to look at Gail Sayers and you were to look at Terrell Davis and you were to look at men like them that didn't have a long career, but had a four or five year span where they were the team, Eddie George matches up well. He had a, he had a five year span. I want to listen. I want you to listen to this, a five year span where he had one year, he had 335 rushing attempts for 1,368 yards, one with 357 attempts for 1,399, one 348 attempts for 1,294 yards, 320 attempts for 1,304 yards. But listen to this, 403 attempts for 1,509 yards. In a five-year span, Gail Sayers had 867 yards, 1,231 yards, 880 yards, 856 yards, and 1,032 yards. Now, no one's saying that Gail Sayers didn't deserve the, the Hall of Fame. Gail Sayers did deserve it. But when you look at the same span of time, Eddie George fits right into that. So Eddie George, to me, is one of those men, and he did go to a Super Bowl. He's one of those men that deserves a second and third look for the Hall of Fame. Another one that definitely deserves it, and I don't know why he's not in it right now, is the defensive back from Cincinnati, uh, Ken Riley, who passed away last year. Ken Riley uh, went to a Super Bowl, is second on the all-time list behind Night Train Lane of pure DBs who played, or cornerbacks, I should, should say, who played uh, in the NFL in interceptions and fifth all-time with 65. In his last year playing, he had eight. Now, some have said that is because of where he was playing against uh, on the other side. There was another great cornerback. But let me point out something to you. It doesn't matter who you're playing on the other side of, who's on the other side of you. You still have to make plays. And in 207 games played, Ken Riley made 65 interceptions. That deserves some respect, and that deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame. Now, I want you to think about this. And again, I'm not saying that this man doesn't deserve the Hall of Fame. John Lynch is getting in this year. In 224 games, he had 26 interceptions. Now you say, well, he played safety. Well, here's the point. Safety or corner, you still have to make plays on the ball. And if the ball is up in the air, you still have to make plays on it. John Lynch made plays. Ken Riley made plays too. And not only did Ken Riley make plays, but he was the heart and soul of that secondary for several years, Cincinnati would not have been the team that it was in the 70s and 80s if it wasn't for Ken Riley. Now, we're going to look at another Cincinnati Bengal in just a second. But in my personal opinion, Ken Riley uh, is long overdue for being in the Hall of Fame. Think about this guy. He passed away earlier this year, I believe, Marty Schottenheimer. Marty Schottenheimer was one of the best offensive coaches that I've ever seen. I, I remember when San Diego or, or Kansas City would play against my Broncos. I'm like, oh, great. Marty Schottenheimer's here. 
were going if it wasn't the playoffs. Murray Schottenheimer had some major problems in the playoffs, but in the regular season, his offense was incredible. When he had Ladanian Thomason, when he played for San Diego, when he coached San Diego, that was a team that you could not stop. Marty Schottenheimer was part of that. He had 205 career wins, which is one of the greatest numbers that you'll ever see. And in fact, uh, he had a six one. He had a 61% winning percentage. That's incredible. And he was a 2004 AP Coach of the Year. The only mark, uh, the the knock on um, Marty Schottenheimer is that he didn't win a Super Bowl. But I want to throw this out here. Marv Levy, who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because he took his team to four straight Super Bowls, had 143 wins at 6.1 or 61 percent, I should say, winning percentage with the Buffalo Bills. Now, does Marsh, uh, does Marv Levy deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, he does. But in that same respect, to me, Marty Schottenheimer deserves to be as well. Now, I want you to also think about this man is in, in addition to that, Dan Reeves. Now, growing up, Dan Reeves and that country accent of his, which is worse, worse I wouldn't say it's more than I had. Uh, Dan Reeves was a man that I remember fondly because he was the coach for my Broncos. He took the Broncos to three Super Bowls, and he took the Atlanta Falcons, the Dirty Bird. He took them to another Super Bowl. So he went to four Super Bowls like Marv Levy. He was a two-time coach of the year with 190 wins. And listen to this. In, ten, in nine seasons, he won 10-plus games in a season. That's insane. With the Broncos, he, was a, he had a 60% winning percentage. Does Dan Reeves deserve a consideration for the Hall of Fame? I think he does. I think he does. Um, he won a couple with uh, uh, he won a Super Bowl with with the Cowboys. But you know, you think about this: coaching and playing are two different things. I think he deserves it. Another one that I remember watching growing up was the quarterback for the New York Giants, Phil Sims. Phil Sims in 164 games had a 95 and 64 record with 33,462 yards and 199 touchdowns. Uh, it should be 154 games. Sorry, I put down the wrong number. 150, but he still had an incredible winning percentage. He had 11 comebacks, 17 game winning drives, and was part of two Super Bowl wins, winning teams for the uh, New York Giants. In the Super Bowl where he played against my Broncos, he won 22. He went 22 for 25 in attempts and completions with an 88% completion percentage. He that was a record that will probably never be matched in a Super Bowl. And he was a Super Bowl MVP for that year. Now, I want you to think about Phil Sims and head to another Cincinnati Bengal that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and that is Ken Anderson who also had a high winning uh, winning percentage with 91 and, uh, and 81 with 32,838 yards and 197 touchdowns went to the Super Bowl as well. Now, think about those two. Ken Anderson didn't win a Super Bowl. Phil Sims won two. But Ken Stabler, who played in the around the same area uh, era in that same, had 184 games through for 2,000, 27,000, I should say, 938 yards and 194 touchdowns. 
and was uh, and had a high winning percentage as well. Now, again, Ken Stabler deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but with Phil Sims and Ken Anderson's record and their passing, I think they deserve to be in that in addition. And there's one other player, and this man uh, has gotten a bum rap because of one play. One play, and that is the wrong way run, and that is defensive uh, in and tackle Jim Marshall for the – he played for the Cleveland Browns for one year, but he most mostly played for the Minnesota Vikings. And if you ever look at the older film of them uh, with their purple uniform and their white – their purple helmet, their white uniform, and their purple pants and playing outside, that is the Minnesota Vikings that uh, people hated to go play against. Jim Marshall was – part of that problem that they hated to play against because he was such a, a, a an amazing player in a chance he had a chance to play for 270 games and his career for the Minnesota Vikings he played in every single one of them 270 games we marvel at Brett Favre and what he did Jim Marshall did the same thing it's just incredible what Jim Marshall did he was a uh, two-time pro bowler won a national won an NFL championship Went to four Super Bowls with the Vikings. Um, I would compare him in his abilities and his uh, tenacity and his talent to people like Bruce Smith and Deacon Jones. You know, they played in different times. Deacon Jones played about the same time that Jim Marshall did. But you're looking at the same ability, the same power, the same grace, the same move. Jim Marshall was – he could play in today's time. He deserves the Hall of Fame. Well, here's the problem. People are going to look and say, well, he's the wrong way one. We can't have that in there. Um, he made a statement once. He said, I want you to take your most embarrassing moment and magnify that for a na- nationwide audience watching. So take your worst moment, your most embarrassing moment, put it on national TV. How would you feel about that? Jim Marshall deserves the Hall of Fame. Now, there are several more people, several more people that I could add on this, but these are my personal things that I believe these men deserve it. These are men that I'm familiar with. These are men that I'll, and again, if you have people that deserve the hall of fame, or if you want to add more to what I just said, um, please message me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarland. Please message me. I want to learn. And the only way to learn is to figure out what I missed, uh, missed on or messed up on. Please let me know. This is, uh, this has been fun. Looking at these men, uh, hopefully in the next few years, we can remedy some of these, especially men like Ken Anderson and Ken Riley, especially those two. They deserve the Hall of Fame. Jim Marshall, put that in the list. Just If you're listening, Kenton, please put these men in the Hall of Fame. Vote them in. They deserve it. They deserve it because of their, their uh, career and what they gave in legacy to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I want to thank y'all for listening, and I'll see you next week. The 2021 Professional Football Researchers Association Convention will be held at the Gold Jacket Lounge at the Pro Football Hall of Fame during the final weekend of June. Convention speakers will celebrate the 100th anniversary of the founding of the NFL. The fee for the convention is $50 for members and $100 for non-members. The fee includes admission to the convention and Pro Football Hall of Fame, meals on Friday evening and Saturday afternoon, and free parking. All convention activities are subject to COVID-19 protocols. For more details, 
details, click on the 2021 PFRA convention link at profootballresearchers.org. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.